0: Hello and welcome to another episode of this wonderful Son of a Ginger podcast. I am Mason Antvangeline Lily Moreau. And I am Patrick the Ant Bully starring Paul Giamatti and Nicholas Cage
1: Baylor. And we have yet another guest. We have Mr. Thomas Antonio Mastro Totero. And uh, Thomas comes from the world of actually writing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe which we'll be talking about today. You were, what, a writer for the MCU Exchange, I've, I've been told? Yeah,
2: for, for a brief period. Outside of that, I think most of my expertise came from long weekends of just kind of binge-watching all the films yet again and spending probably way too much time on the uh, MCU subreddit. Nice. A lot of time on there. Well, Good guys, though. Good group. So yeah. before
0: we get started, give us your top three oh man that
2: that's you should have me prepare that before that's hard <laughs> i think beforehand we'd spoken uh, winter soldier is definitely up there yeah i'm like i'm gonna give the second one to guardians of the galaxy the first, the first one. one it's just hit everyone by surprise even me uh, as a comic reader it was not one that i've ever ever even had on my shelf so that was and then infinity war i mean that all right that was a ride that, respect- that, yeah, that, was, that was a ride. ride i mean i'm still i still kind of cry at night yeah. about it and
1: so as as y'all have gathered, we're talking the next MCU entry, the twentieth film in uh the, the cinematic universe that is Marvel, uh Ant Man and the Wasp, starring Paul Rudd, not Paul G. Motti, Paul Rudd and Evangeline <laughs> Lilly.
0: Wow, her name sounds a lot like my middle name. Yeah, right? Like, are y'all related? <laughs> are you did you also get lost?
1: I didn't know Tina Fey started writing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. Take my mask off. <gasps> Tina Goodness gracious! But yeah, we're talking Ant Man and the Wasp. A lot happened. So yeah, like we said, twentieth movie. This one did, I guess, like okay of the Marvel movies. Its opening was seventy five point eight million, and so far it's grossed one eighty nine point nine million worldwide, but only a hundred and three or so thousand or million in the states. Is that is that good? So one thing with this film that
2: they've kind of done is they've pushed back the release internationally in a lot of regions i think uk is getting it like two or three weeks later which normally uk gets it a week earlier from us here in the states Mm -hmm. and domestic numbers are pretty big a lot of times but it looks like domestics i mean 75 million that's a great opening for any movie but for the mcu kind of coming hot off the heels of infinity war it's slightly lackluster but it's i mean i don't think it's gonna hurt them yeah, or yeah. their chances to you know get a sequel or whatever it's they're still good numbers they're solid numbers, but
0: yeah, especially with you see this especially with Lucasfilm and uh Marvel that they're like if they're not one upping themselves at the box office, then it's considered failing for some reason you i know, mean
1: since our last podcast like i don't I don't think they're gonna make they're gonna try to make any more solos or star wars spin offs anytime soon, yeah. because you know we thought we it was pretty good, but they are like, oh sorry, it didn't hit that you know, 250 million that we were hoping for, whatever their benchmark. So they're like, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit.
0: I don't know. Which is good. You know, I feel like if they're going to step back and reassess, then there's no harm in it.
1: Maybe, I guess, care a little bit more about stories instead of stamping on, be like, hey, this has our name on it. Let's make more of this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as exactly. fast as possible. Which is kind of what they did. I don't know, at least with the solo. But, I mean, those, and any other movie, those are... Wonderful numbers. Yeah, I mean, I I would like to see seventy five point eight million in my bank account. Yeah, I don't th- think anyone would. I mean,
2: I you know, it's still. It, I believe the, the first film opened to like sixty eight million domestically. I'm don't spitballing, but I'm pretty sure it was something around that number. So I, it's still is it's, it's going to do better than the first one, which is what they like to look at at least. Yeah, um, and you know, Ant Man for him, these, for them, these are safe movies. They don't get a huge budget, at least compared to some of the other films. They, they, and they normally still are going to bring in a profit regardless, and still push the forward the story a little forward. So, I don't think they're too too worried about it. Regardless, yeah. it's a, it's a win in their book as long as people are going to see it. Yeah, and fans are you know they're not crapping all over it if critics like it, which it looks like they do. Yeah,
1: I think they're okay. I mean, and we've talked about this before, you and me, Mason. These movies are almost kind of critic proof now. Yeah. Yeah. Like no one's going to be like, "Oh, the Rolling Stones said it was not good. I'm going to stay home and watch Ant-Man 1, which was good." No, <laughs> that's not happening. Yep. They're going to still see it. Kevin uh,
0: Feige could literally rob Roger Ebert's grave <laughs> and nobody would care. You're probably correct cuz then they'd be like, "Oh, that'd be a great uh movie adaptation
1: for <laughs> for Ant-Man 3. He yeah. he robs Film critic Roger Eberts. <laughs> grave, Wonderful. Marvel Zombies. It's a, it's a big event in the
0: comics. Yeah, they could they be a could great get, crossover. A, a movie. <laughs> like a whole tongue-in-cheek oh, I'm Marvel, sure. Marvel
2: movie. Listen, about... they can work anything at this point. I, I wouldn't be
1: surprised. I mean, who knows? They they could be listening to this right now and are just tend to paper, you know. So we talked about some of the numbers, but yeah, let's get into the plot a little bit. I mean, what what did y'all like, dislike, love, hate? About this film, starring Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly. Evang- How do you say her name? Evangeline. Evangeline? Evangeline. Oh.
0: Let's start with likes, anyway. and then let's go to dislikes.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, Mason, what did you think of it?
0: I thought it was run-of-the-mill, I would Ooh. say. Pretty digestible story. It was funny. It had good jokes. Checked all the boxes, per se. And so in that regard I don't I can't say that I didn't like it I don't really know where it stands on my like definitive list of all of the movies but it was it was standard you know it, even the standard fare is entertaining always happy to see Paul Rudd in these movies with these like larger than life people because I I still see him from like wet hot American summer and all of those like hilarious things he did in the early 2000s but yeah it, it's still cool to see that Michael Douglas is great I sort of like fleshing out of Evangeline Lilly's character, Hope Van Dyne. Yeah. I, just,
1: I do want to take a moment and like just think about the cast that's in this. This is a lot of big-name actors. I mean, Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michelle Pfeiffer, icon. Michael Douglas, icon. Walton Goggins, a great cable actor in and, and other things. You know, Michael. He was, in, he was in The Hateful Eight. Yes, he was. Uh, good in that movie. Randall Park, He's he's a... Like solid like comedian that's you know
0: in enough TV shows. Oh yeah, and then Lawrence
1: Fishburne popped in, Mm -hmm. and yet another superhero movie.
0: Yeah, I think this movie had really good performances across the board. Yeah, definitely. But like, we'll get into spoilers immediately. I guess the scene at the end where finally get what's her name Janet, Janet, yeah, Janet. They get Janet out of the quantum realm. That was that was acted pretty well. I felt I believe that they were seeing her for the first time again. Or I for the first time in a while in thirty years or something. Yeah,
1: I'd say the one thing that sets at least this one apart from the other other films, other than Avengers, because it literally has everyone, is that I think it does have the best acting troupe. Yeah, so to speak. You know, the side characters are strong. Yeah, mm-hmm. like oh yeah, yeah. like what Ti shows up for a little bit again. And well, then,
2: yeah, I think with Michael Pena kind of in charge of that little group. Yeah, he's hilarious. Yeah, he yeah, him pushes...
1: and then whoever like that Russian dude is who's like, yeah, like been in he's... like other stuff. Yeah, he's funny. Like, they were, they were some great comic relief. I enjoyed every minute that those guys were on screen. And, you like, Michael Pena, like, he's almost a, a star himself. Like, I feel like he's, you know, the plan B, for, like, for some studios, like, if they can't get a certain actor. Mm. Like, oh, well, we can get Michael Pena then. He's, yeah, he's just as fine, if not better. For me, I, you know, I
2: the things I liked are uh, just kind of right off the bat that I, I, I knew they did right walking out of the theater was this was definitely the movie to follow Infinity War especially mm-hmm. with just kind of the ending of Infinity War. You need to like a... And you'll, I think, you know, you'll see everyone saying this. They they say palate cleanser. And, you know, it was just that. It, it's it's fun. It's kind of... It's like Marvel's family movies. It's mm-hmm. Ant-Man. It, it even has, and not to use a different movie, but Honey, I Shrunk the Kids vibes to it. It kind of does. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, sure. you know, the, I, I everything's that. a little more hokey. They, they throw explaining science out the window a little bit. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's a lot of scientists... Um, and so, and then of course the biggest theme of it is family. I mean, it's Scott and his daughter, you know, that, I mean, just from the beginning of the movie, that's, that scene with them in cardboard boxes kind of crawling through and, and then, uh, ending on that cardboard slide. I thought that was, you know, that's one of the most kind of heartfelt and family father daughter moments that you'll see in the whole MCU. Yeah. And then you have Hope and her dad and, and I think a lot of those themes kind of, come into play so it's a it is it's a family movie and i think kind of following infinity war it's perfect
1: yeah i I mean yeah like you said palate cleanser yeah like infinity war was just so heavy so many stakes everything was very important i think knowing that this next film like i think already reading and knowing that it's supposed to take place after the events of civil war well okay we've seen what like four or five movies that have happened after civil war so to speak so we know that this one won't necessarily like the fate of the universe won't be ruined this was very close-ended like they've been trying to like veer towards really like the last two years with their films you can watch any of these movies in a vacuum and be like oh i i enjoyed that and oh i enjoyed that oh and the villain's not gonna like you know steal the sun and Mm -hmm. ruin everything he's gonna maybe steal a bank or tell other villains hey you can be yourself until the post credit scene yeah, and then until, <laughs> and then, until the post-credit scene tying it all together, making you remember, oh wait, all these movies are connected, and everything right. has stakes. Ah,
2: no, yeah, well, okay. it's, it's, it was—it's—it's—it really is its own kind of just small story in its own little corner of the MCU, and you know, I think—I mean, I think even um, Spider-Man: Homecoming was kind of like that, even though there was a little more connections than Ant-Man and Wasp, it still felt like it was s- small stakes. Yeah. But, like, more story, more character growth. And, and we saw a lot of that in this movie, too, which, you know, again, it, it really helps flesh out the whole MCU.
1: Yeah. Well, the writing team of Chris McKenna, Eric Summers, Paul Rudd, Andrew uh, Boom, Bloom, and Gabriel Ferrari really knew what was up. It's, a, it's another big...
2: I mean, Homecoming had a big writing team,
1: too. Five yeah. people, I think it was. It's a King's Row of writers.
2: And it's funny that it works out. I mean, I, any other any other series or franchise, I'd, I'd be concerned when you see that many writers, especially if they bring them on after the fact. But
1: I think Paul Rudd, too, was one of the... Well, yeah, I think he was actually a, an original writer. Like, yeah. Not like, oh, hey, we need to beef up the dialogue. No, no. Oh, let's get the person that will actually be saying the dialogue to do mm-hmm. so. Because, yeah, he's written stuff before, right? I'm not sure. He, he
2: definitely, you he, he definitely get a little more Paul Rudd in this film yeah. uh, out, out of Scott, I think. Um, and not to go into any of my gripes too early, but I think Scott was a lot more Paul Rudd in this movie than he was in the first one. The mm-hmm. first one kind of, he was a little more competent, a little more, and not say Paul Rudd's not a competent person, but his, his humor yeah. is normally self-deprivating, you know deprivating. so mm-hmm. it, it, it does make him seem a little more on the silly, goofy side. But so, yeah, if he did have anything to do with that, then I, I could, I could yeah. definitely see it.
1: For reference, uh, Paul Rudd's other writing credits are also the first Ant Man he, he did screenplay by. He's mm-hmm. also the creator of Party Down. Great show if none of y'all have watched it. No? Uh, and then screenplay that. for role models as well. Oh, he we nice. did screenplay that movie for role models. Good. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. He had a couple other people. He did that with David Wayne and Ken Marino. It's the people from What Hot American Summer. You know, that yeah. group. Uh, the Wayne. State is what they're called, their little comedy troupe. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I definitely, I definitely see what you're saying. It's like it's important to have these movies that quite literally come back to Earth.
2: So that was that was my favorite. I think for me, just following Infinity War, that that was a kind of the thing I liked most. It just felt like that's the movie we needed at the moment, um, outside of other things. But that was kind of what I walked out with.
1: I agree with that. And. That would go in the same thing, you know, our villain. I would not say our villain was forgettable, and we can start getting into our gripes, but uh, villain was, give or take, was a little forgettable, but I did like about the villain Ghost, played by Hannah John Kamen. She had a reason to be there. It wasn't like, I need to dominate the world. It was like, I need to fix myself, so I'm yeah, going to do it by any means necessary, because she has had her like weird molecular thing going on that made her phase through things.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah I, I almost think she... Isn't, you know, a, a villain in the sense that she... I mean, she almost isn't a villain. She's just another opposing... She's an opposing, anti-hero. Kind of. Where she's just an opposing force. An antagonist. Yeah. Yeah. She is just the antagonist. I mean, the villain is time in this movie, really. And they kind of set that up as just... They got to save Janet in time. So, it, I think that's really what it is. And there's, there's just a couple opposing forces that are slowing them down. Walter Goggins' character mm-hmm. was one of them. and then And then, of course, Ghost was... The other one, and and yeah, I think you you feel her pain a little bit. I think to get us there, they may not have needed so much exposition when when she was explaining what happened to her and everything.
1: A lot of exposition.
2: I think that man. almost would have worked better as the beginning of the movie, the intro, where uh, they're going over the stuff we already know from the first movie, which was Hank Pym explaining to his daughter like what happened. To, we, we
0: all we, we knew that from the first
1: movie. That would have been better, and they've done that before as like they're cold open. Absolutely, they, yeah. they show the oh. villain do whatever. Yeah. Side note. What do you think, Mason?
0: Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to that motion capture CGI oh, of right. young Lawrence Fishburne because that shit looked real. Yeah. It and, looked actually real. Yeah,
1: they did that for Lawrence Fishburne. They did that again for Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, uh, yeah. Did they do it for Michelle Pfeiffer? They did. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, she looks great regardless, even when they do find her. But yeah. I mean, they're. Not that she needed it, but. That technology is, yeah, just cool to see because I feel like it's not necessarily easy to do, but, you know, these are all actors that were big in the 80s and 90s they have a lot of footage to pull from to like get what they looked like so I don't know if they're I remember someone oh
0: that is a that is a good point yeah I remember like hmm. reading
1: something about uh either that's how they did holo like the ho- like the Tupac hologram or other things oh yeah they were able to make a lot of that from just videos oh, of like concert. a lot of his old recordings and live performances and stuff and then you know make him a hologram also Side and other totally random thing. I thought we'd get more like hologram concerts since then, <laughs> and we haven't. Probably for the best, but you know, I would love to see a Tupac concert, a Tupac hologram concert. You know what? That 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 is uh, severely lacking in my yeah. life. There's
2: definitely, but I'm not. I'd see Elvis, and I mean, I'd never mind. I take that one back because there's so many impersonators at this point. Yeah, do we really need it? But, I mean, uh, I can do it just a good
1: Yeah,
2: it could it could be the end of Elvis impersonators. I mean. That could put millions. out We of saw work. that in Blade Runner. Hundreds. Blade even. Runner
0: 2048, 2049. Oh, was there an Elvis? Yeah, there. He and Harrison Ford and Deckard are fighting in that Vegas hotel where there's a. Oh yeah. Elvis hologram playing. Yeah, yeah, that's so, right.
1: So we get holograms of major performers at award shows, Coachella, and sci-fi movies. That's I a, would so I be down
0: that. to watch a hologram of Jimi Hendrix play.
1: Oh yeah, the national anthem. That should just. Instead of them getting other actors or, or other performers for the national anthem, they should just get like that should be the default, a hologram of Jimi Hendrix. Oh, that would be cool. At any stadium or any event. So it's agreed. Start, so they start should, the
2: petition.
0: They should have a hologram of Fergie. Of Fergie's <laughs> performance at every game.
2: Maybe a hundred years from now.
1: She'll probably be doing it still a hundred years from now. So That's one <laughs> that's one way to get everyone to kneel, man. Just <laughs> Ooh, no thank you, ma'am. Uh anyway. I don't know. So is that all of what you didn't really like was like the exposition or oh, no, anything that, else? There was, you know, I
2: I did like more, so I feel like I should have just kind of covered a little more of what I liked. But Tell us what you hate. In contrast to Evangeline Lilly's performance, because I thought she was amazing. I mm-hmm. really do think she, in Ant-Man and Wasp, like even though she didn't really get her, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is she was great as what we saw just face value from her. But what we were missing was getting her to feel like she deserved her place in that title, not because of how she was incredibly badass and cool and just probably one of the coolest characters in the movie, but I wanted to see more of her development. I, I think we got Scott and we get, you know, that she cares about her mom, which we knew already, but I wanted to see more of just her growing as a character and, and maybe almost her and, and Scott's partnership. I mean, really, I think the parts where they fight together are, are kind of limited, and i wanted yeah. that ant-man and wasp title to really like stick out in the movie and to me it didn't. It just felt more ant-man again featuring wasp and hank and yeah. other characters.
1: I mean this yeah, i would say this seemed a lot like ant-man. Oh, and and the wasp we we have women. We yeah, have women here right. in this marvel universe. Co- women. See the marvel. Yeah. Ah. So that was
2: kind of my thing cuz i i am excited, you know, to see more women headlining the movies and captain marvel is probably my most anticipated marvel film since the first avengers coming out so it, it, I, it you know it was a slightly disappointing that I, I wanted to see more of her insight into what she was thinking and and you know maybe how i, I guess we got a lot about how she felt about scott leaving her to go to germany and mm-hmm. fight with cap but outside of that she did just kind of feel like a side character to him and it, that was slightly disappointing. I, I would say. I, mean,
0: I think that both Ant Man Ant Man movies really glaze over the part, the aspect of having something with powers uh, of the responsibility that comes with it. Like they're really, really liberal with the costumes. You just like give me a suit, give me a suit. You know, it's not anything that's very special to be putting on to them. It doesn't seem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I feel like you you miss a lot of that growth from not having characters having to confront themselves and themselves in the suit.
1: It's like, what is it to be a hero? You have a cool suit that that Michael Douglas gives you. Now you're yeah. a hero. You know? See, I feel like they're
0: they're both sort of just like, yeah, we get in these things and we play around and we stop bad guys.
1: Cool, nice, great. Yeah, and then yeah, they put it on and hot dog, they're they're superheroes. They're mm-hmm. marvels. Well, and and um, in this
2: movie, they didn't even. I mean, they weren't. It's not like they were trying to save the world or anything. They were really. They had that one mission and. When they were in to commit that mission, they were essentially breaking the law the entire time. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. look at that as you will, but I mean, none of this was, you know, them doing anything outside of their own reasons. So is everyone actually in this film a bad guy? Based on the Sokovia Accords, technically Cap and his teams are bad guys too. But at least I think in Civil War we get that morality, and Cap is actually trying to stop a villain and trying to stop, you know, and that's why he's breaking the accords. And he, you know, while trying to kind of save his best friend and everything but in this one it's it's really comes down to you know it's just the family aspect of it that we did get in civil war without the oh we also have to stop a bad guy part so it's like with that it's it's it kind of loses it's you know it's relevant where we all would do something for family and people we love but not so much when like you were saying with with them being heroes where is the the gravity of being a hero, whereas that that the death that comes with that, and something that even fifteen year old Spider Man gets great power comes yes. mm-hmm. dot dot dot. But you know, so it, I, I do think it's missing that absolutely.
1: Mm. Po- <laughs> poignant, pointy <You> know. <laughs> and poignant. Well, I I love all of those points that y'all just made. So uh, so we're talking you know about the movie in itself, but so we always talk about it. And we have to talk about it. This is the twentieth entry in the MCU. This happened. You know, after the events of Civil War, so didn't uh, you know really have much stakes. But then, of course, the post-credit sequence does have stakes in that it wasn't really a big thing. But you know, Scott goes into the quantum realm. He's I don't know getting a hamburger. It seems it seemed like very light of whatever he was doing. I don't know. And then all of our heroes that we hung out with fade away, other than Scott. Yeah. So I think
2: he he's going in to harvest some more of that quantum energy oh, to help okay. with that with oh. ghost kind of little phasing issue not a hamburger no uh, uh maybe a tardigrade burger is oh, what mm, they were going for yeah burger. they looked kind of meaty right i mean i don't know i can't be the <laughs> I... only one thinking like let's drink down get some tardigrades bringing them out fry them up oh, you know you open them up and make them big because why we're not using this technology to grow f- giant food i don't know like I would love it. come on guys <laughs> would but awesome. and yeah. then yeah some tardigrade burgers um uh, they're the most resilient animals on the planet, so cooking them at, at all would be a major feat. I'm gonna heat the grill up now. I'm excited. I'm pumped. Let's do it. Um, I think there's tardigrades in like almost everything, so maybe they're yeah. the most like the smallest animal on Earth. So, but oh. anyway, so he's in there. Yeah, he's in there harvesting whatever that is. That that energy, the MacGuffin energy, is what I like to call yeah, it. MacGuffin, <laughs> um, based MacGuffin on that science. ending, uh, <laughs> which like I, I think you might want to go into later. But yeah, and then you know we we hear the. We don't hear it, but we, we see the effects of it. And, and he's stuck there. And I think what the only thing I want to point out from that scene, because I think everyone else who's seen Infinity War kind of gets what's going on, Janet, before he goes in, mentioned staying away from the time vortex. I mean, why even say something like that? Yeah. If that's not going to come into play. Don't right?
1: go in the time vortex.
2: I mean, foreshadowing, slapping you in the face. She
0: might as well just look at the camera and be like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just saw it right before. Boiling. I think she did. I'm not. even oh, kidding. Yeah, I, right. I
2: swear, I saw like a wink and like a nudge, nudge towards uh towards Scott. And so no, but I I do think based on what we have or anyone's able to gather from maybe some set photos and stuff going on with Infinity War, there might be a little bit of timey wimey stuff going on. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know that's how Scott gets out of there because he certainly doesn't have anyone else coming for him. So. No.
1: You know, after Infinity War, that, that was the big thing of like, all right, now let's speculate, speculate, speculate. And we speculated and said like, okay, well, there's two of these movies. They must have some kind of stakes. Something important should happen. And I think we figured that what will probably happen is he's able to like, where he is isn't time or something, and he's able to go back in time and then go into the soul zone or something like that, right? I I could see that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys had any other theories, but I could see very much him getting popped out and either in the future and or in the past and and I'd say future because they're apparently they casted a a an older version of Cassie Lang his daughter for the mm. next Avengers movie oh. so
0: uh, oh good good detail man so
2: I mean I'm thinking he pops out in the future future and he sees kind of what's going on and maybe runs into an older version of the Avengers kind of broken down. I think with perfect research
1: you have answered our question then.
2: That's just my personal I and my theory and I think a lot of others online. Um, shout out to my boys on Red uh, subreddit. Oh yeah. Reddit MCU. And also Thanos did nothing wrong, subreddit. That was a, no I to that's anyone who followed that, that was a great time. I did get snapped, by the way. You did? You I got did. snapped? Yeah, I am Damn. in the Soul Stone. So I that's how I actually Came across this theory, just being in the Soul Stone, talking to Gamora herself. And this, this uh, podcast
1: <laughs> isn't even in, in time right now. We're also there. Right. That's how we're doing this. Yes.
2: Yeah. The, we're actually going to release this two years ago. So <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> This is coming out in 2014, guys.
2: But I, you know, I, I think it's funny with at the end of Infinity War, you get that pager with Captain Marvel and you really think that's who's going to come into play to save them in the next movie. But I actually think they might turn things around and have Ant-Man kind of play that role and have him be the one that uh, bridges the gap with maybe how they defeat Thanos or or fix the snap or whatever may happen.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm starting to see an A and a B plot develop with these other two superheroes. One, Like I would imagine Captain Marvel is going to be the one to deal with Thanos and Ant-Man is mm-hmm. going to be the one to deal with getting the people back getting the squad back. Yeah. Oh,
2: that'd be cool. I like that.
0: And so you'll have that, those two things happening. And I'm hyped so hyped for
2: that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, that all sounds correct. Well, it would make sense if each plot revolves around them, given that the two movies in between mm-hmm. the two parts. So it's like, why not? You know, that's going to be the most relevant and most recent in people's minds,
1: too, going yeah. into that movie. And I think this will be good for Marvel in general, because, you know, I don't, I'm don't, not seeing too many Ant-Man lunchboxes, you know, around not too many Ant-Man backpacks when I only sc- mine. stroll through Target. Yeah, only yours. That you made yourself, probably. I did, yeah.
2: Because they're
0: all too small.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's very small. It's actually is an Altoids can. It, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you get they hang on keychains at gas stations. That's yeah. why.
1: I, but we're very aware that I think this is gonna be like the last movie, you know, for Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., maybe Chris Hemsworth, those bankable stars that do have those lunchboxes, do have all those merchandise. Do you think this entry might, you know, be like, oh wow, Ant Man, he's the savior of the MCU. Now let's give him another movie and let's make him the you know make him the Robert Downey Jr of the, this next phase 5 or whatever they'll call it i i think with ant-man ant-man is like had a hawkeye gone
2: um, movies in phase 1 and then got into the avengers where it's like we would have known like okay he's a smaller player but he's still really important to the team mm-hmm. at least that's how i feel about hawkeye so he do i think he'll be the new iron man no do i think him and the wasp are the new Black Widow and Hawkeye, or, or Scarlet Witch and Vision. Yeah, I think mm. their 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 place on the team will be will definitely fill the space and be great. But as far as like the big three, I think that we see coming up to replace Thor and Cap and and Iron Man. It, I think it will be Cap Marvel, Black Panther, and Spider Man. Probably Spider Man. I mean, yeah. that's mm-hmm. to me that that's like those are all big players in the comics, and just their films will you know they're a little more serious. They're those are the big three that people will follow and kids will wear on T-shirts and they can relate with a little more. Not so much what are essentially, I think, kind of criminals in this movie and, yeah. you know, just kind of revolve around fun characters and gags and whatnot. Which, I, again, I think these movies are great for what, what their purpose is to be in the MCU. But, yeah, like you're saying, it, it's not a, a kid's favorite character to look up to. And, and I don't think it's supposed to be.
1: So do you think they'll even be another Ant Man movie? Do you think he'll just be like, hey, I'm in another Avengers type of thing? For me,
2: he was the strongest he's been was in Civil War. I really enjoyed his role and so I thought he was hilarious. I thought he brought the perfect comedy to the to how like kinda heavy that movie was. His line about orange slice and whatever. Like it was just great. Mm-hmm. He was just he was great. You so, basically
0: observed that fight through Ant Man and yeah, Spider Man.
2: Right. They were
0: just both in awe about the yeah. whole
2: everything happening, so it was just really exciting. And so for them to get a third movie, I think they need to bring their A-game with it. I think it, it could either be something like this where they just wanted to do another small round out the trilogy, have them all feel very safe, or they could pull a Thor Ragnarok and just go 180 degrees the other way. A little and bit just, of a reset, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, with Thor, there was always that potential there to go with crazy colors and, like, just crazy action and just just really go into, like, how wild of a character Thor and the the cosmic universes and gods and men and all that. Yeah. I think the quantum realm Mm -hmm. and and this technology and stuff, and we see a little bit of it when they go into the quantum realm and whatnot, but I think all the potential that this story has hasn't been maximized at all yet. So I would like to see a third movie with that happening, Mm -hmm. and I do think if this does well enough once we see the gross with the worldwide release... Mm -hmm. If it does well enough, there, I think it certainly will get a third movie, and it, it, but it should be something that you know doesn't just round out the trilogy. I think it's got to like just shoot through, power, power through the roof, break
1: all expectations like Ragnarok did. That'd be a lot more exciting to me. I think a sequel that should happen is Spider-Man and Ant Man <laughs> get shrunken down, and then they can't get back, but then they go into a, an ant colony, ends up being like a college. And then it's just like a fun college movie, but they're ants, you know? I, I love it. And I, it's called Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Spider-Man and the Bug Bunch. Can we get this to Feige? And How bug, fast can we get this bunch. to Feige? The Bug Bunch. <laughs> but no, yeah, so as far as uh, an ending to the
2: trilogy, I think it'll be that. Now, the only danger with that is Thor Ragnarok was so freaking great, and I think it changed the what Thor essentially was in the MCU so much that everyone's clamoring for a whole new trilogy based yeah. off of that, so... Who knows if that might happen with
1: Ant-Man? It's like give Iron Man another try with all of these,
2: right? And I'm I'm not saying Ant-Man is anywhere as weak as I think the first two Thor's were. I think those were I enjoyed them, being as big of a fan as I am. But I do think these films were a lot more heartfelt, and it is nice to have like what is a family movie in the MCU. But I at the same time I would like to see a, a third entry just kind of break the mold a little bit.
0: And they they do sort of, like, it is sort of a trend with third installments Mm -hmm. to do that. Like, even with Iron Man 3, they hired Shane Black, and they did more of a buddy cop thing. Mm -hmm. Ragnarok, obviously. Civil War was, like, Avengers Mm 2.5. If they keep going with this trend. They should
2: all get trilogies. I mean, Guardians, like, no one's even questioned Guardians getting a a Volume 3. Yeah, Yeah, it's happening. I mean, so... It really, at least for any of the films that came out in Phase One or Two, it looks like they're all slated to get sequels. I I just haven't heard anything about Ant-Man and Wasp just yet, but I I am hoping for it. I think it's plenty good enough to get around it out threequel.
1: Thomas, since you're the expert, are there any other like secret things happening that we probably aren't aware of that you like know just because you're on the right subreddits or the stuff that I,
2: I I tend to dive into a lot that I think the average moviegoer or fans. Don't care about as much as I, I'm a big fan of the TV shows and the MCU TV shows <laughs> that are essentially connected, like Agents of Shield, any of the Netflix stuff. They're they're all
1: apparently exist in the same universe. What what frustrated me about all those shows is that they don't matter to these movies. Right. All they say is, "Oh yeah, remember when the big green guy came mm-hmm. on through?" And then it's just ever that. since New York. I am a believer that eventually
2: we will get some sort of. Um, I mean, just the, just throw as a bone, kind of thing. You like, would think
1: so. I I would love to see like the Punisher show up in a in a, one of these movies, like yeah. even as like a, just a bit role of like, oh hey, it's it's yeah. the Punisher.
2: Wonderful. So it, right. and, and to me, it doesn't even have to be anything like that. I mean, it, it could. I mean, for example, I'm very excited because they are bringing Phil, Phil Coulson back into the movies, but it isn't are a they? prequel. So in Captain Marvel, he will be oh, one of okay. the main characters. Now. Right. With a lot of reports having said that, oh, Kevin Feige really doesn't get along with the TV division and all that stuff. He never would have brought Colson back into a movie if that was the case. So I do think there is somewhat of a relationship there. I do think they're scared to reference the these shows because... They they know there's not as big of an audience, and they can alienate their moviegoers. Yeah, because so,
1: you know I can see a two-hour movie, you know, one weekend easy. I I can't watch 22 episodes right. of one season yeah. of Agents of Shield and then watch three more after mm-hmm. that. So if no Coulson things. just showed
2: up in Infinity War Part Two with no explanation, people would be like, "What the heck? Oh, there's this TV show. Oh man, I'm done with the MCU because there's so yeah. much." And I applauded Lucas Films for doing what they just did with Solo, mm-hmm. where uh, we allowed to talk about Solo spoilers.
1: yeah Yeah, we talked about it in a previous show okay so
2: with with Darth Maul showing up at the end having been killed in episode one but then showing up in a movie that takes place after with no explanation outside of what we see in Clone Wars or any other tv shows I applauded that I thought that was great that they were just like you know what we have loyal fans and we're gonna throw them a bone so I, I would like to see them do that and I do think our chance would be in Captain Marvel and and it would be maybe just Coulson interacting with melinda may who is a character that he's known since the 90s and is currently on agents of shield oh okay. if they had her there i, I think it's the safest way to have a small tv to film crossover yeah and, um,
1: the, and all that would at least be is like yeah a fun bone and of, it doesn't alienate yeah. movie audiences because she's just a shield agent And then it'll be on like a couple of articles that you'll see later like mm-hmm. 13 cameos you can't miss right. from captain marvel exactly Crazy. wow and then, oh
2: my god. <laughs> And then, hopefully, maybe gets people more excited about the show, and then we see more crossovers in the future. so that's something I'm hoping will happen and and I just think with him being on there and knowing the whole history between the film and TV division that we might see, but yeah, that's that's maybe what I'll leave
0: with people to get excited about yeah I mean
1: yeah, there's many things to get excited about
0: i I want to ask this question, what is your ideal like your ideal TV film crossover moment or movie or what like go ahead?
2: This is like, this is my dream right here, just being able to talk about this out loud. Now, for me, um, my favorite of the TV characters is Daredevil. Okay. And I think in the comics, like, my favorite buddy cop relationship is Daredevil and Spider Man. So I do think coming up um, on the next Spider Man movie, it does sound like the villain's going to be Mysterio. Mm -hmm. So what I would like is to see Daredevil kind of training Spider-Man how to use... Because what Mysterio does, at least in the comics, is he uses all this kind of like magic and and illusions to trick Spider-Man's senses to get him confused, and that's Mm -hmm. normally how he defeats him. Daredevil, being blind, doesn't really, you know, can't use his sight, so he has to focus on his other senses. So I think a great moment would be having him and Spidey team up and him teaching Spidey how to use his senses and focus on his Spidey senses outside of his sight. And then, you know, I mean, from there, I, I think it writes itself. I think it'd be really cool. I, I know it's not what they're going to go with, but for me, that's my dream crossover. I would uh,
1: love every minute of that. It's, too. Um, it'd yeah, be it'd great. Be awesome.
2: And I, I just imagine Spidey walking into the fight at the end against Mysterio. And I like how his eyes can open and close. And so having him shut him off all the way and just walking in and just fighting him completely blind, you know, with Daredevil in his ear. I just, for me, that, that would be... You know, that's my dream moment ever that could ever happen on screen. Won't happen. But Feige, if you're listening to this, please, that'd be the best thing ever. We all have writing <laughs>
1: experience. Just put us on the staff. We'll, oh, absolutely. We'll chime in. You know, get some pros on there, too. But, like, we'll, we, we can help you make cool stuff, Mr. Feige, for sure. You know? Or I would love to see Luke Cage and Black Panther. That was okay. that was my second. That, that option. That would be fun, hundred percent. You know, because you, know, you know we saw you know at the end you know him going to Compton. It'd be fun to see him in, in Harlem. You know, like that's one big thing they talked about is you know the experience of African Americans and mm-hmm. you know him like getting more in touch with that. What better than going to Harlem where that's a lot of their population and then Mister Luke Cage himself. And I know there's like a lot of big developments in season two of Luke Cage. I haven't seen it, but I think that'd be fun to just see again that cultural clash a little bit. I think that'd be cool. I I also, just to speak to that, I think in Black Panther, when they're talking
2: about how they have people around the world that are Wakandans and undercover, and you know, when Killmonger was telling them to rise up and take over at the end, I would like to see, because I I know the Netflix shows do take place maybe a year or two behind all the current movies, Mm -hmm. which is why, you know, we haven't seen the snap or anything like that. I'd love to see Luke Cage like have to get into it with some Wakandans and on his show.
1: Yeah, I think that could
2: be, I mean, this past season, it was the Jamaicans, and then next season could be the Wakandans. I think that'd be pretty that'd cool. Be great. Yeah. Um, so just, yeah, going back down, trickling down into the TV shows would be cool,
1: too. Okay, yeah, so Mason, all right, well, what's yours, man? Okay,
0: when you brought up The Punisher, it made me think of it. I want to see like a cat and mouse sort of catch me if you can sort of style movie where Hawkeye is assigned to assassinate The Punisher.
2: It's beautiful. Ooh. beautiful.
0: Yeah. And so they're like going after each. Yeah,
1: other. That would go into the fun trend that we've been talking about of like they just make genre movies with these characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah a spy film, I mean, espionage. Well, so with
2: Black Widow though being announced now, I'd I'd like to see exactly what you said, but Black Widow fight like hunting down the Punisher, and then of course them teaming up and having a fight.
1: And that's something that could happen, not necessarily tomorrow, in two years, whenever that movie will come out. Because uh, sadly, Mason, I would. It'd be cool to see a Hawkeye movie, but Hawkeye isn't selling any. Yeah, tickets, I know. You yeah. know. I'd-
0: I like to think of ways to utilize that character. No, I, I appreciate I like
1: it. As a, lot, a, so as a Hawkeye fan, I appreciate it. Yeah. My name is Mason Moreau. I'm trying to get Jeremy Renner more work.
0: Well, ever since I saw The Hurt Locker, I've really oh, liked it. huge fan, he yeah.
1: Did. He should be getting more work. Him and Falcon.
0: Yeah, He got nominated. He was nominated for an Academy for that movie, right? He hasn't been since. For, for Hurt, Locker, Hurt Locker, yes. yes. Yeah.
1: Since. He should have gotten nominated for Wind
2: River. I mean, he was fantastic in that. to see that. Check that out. Uh, right, I'll, I'll come back that. for a Wind River
1: podcast. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Like a yeah. year after it's released. Who cares? <laughs> Who that cares? you got to do a throw. Yeah, throwback. I feel like Wind River is one of those that you like find like, hey, it's now available. It's on Netflix. On it. Yeah, it's now available on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, what's this? Just uh, <gasps> oh, okay. What so good, and know? and there
2: is some surprise actors in there too. I mean, it's it's just based on what you were just talking about. Definitely check it out. Won't say anything more. Evening's free.
1: I just might. Well, with that, aunts and uncles and cousins and nephews and nieces and everyone in between, it was good talking about some ant-mans and wasps as well. Mason, how can our hive of wasps and other fans listen to this podcast and past podcasts, by the way?
0: All of the wasps out there can go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts as well as the Google Play Store.
1: Nice. A lot lot of waspy wasps. Well, Thomas, unless you have anything with that, we'll... We'll end things off in five, four, three, two, guys.
2: Oh, uh, come on, guys. Not funny. Guys. Guys.